Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, and welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Kristen Perch, and I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist at Cook Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas. And I'm going to give our listeners a little bit of inside information. So we actually record the podcast two at a time. And so Winnie is still not here. She is still um, at her work conference in Uh, in Florida. And so we hope that she's doing well and she survives. And so by the time this airs, she will be back safe, doing all of the things in all of her roles. Um, So yes, so that's why it's just me today. But we have our guest today. It's Mr. Otis Goodwin, and he is the Director of Family and Community Resources, and he actively works to ensure the health needs of students are met across the district. Welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So what exactly is a director of community and family resources? Like, what is that? What do you do? So my job is to really look after the health needs of students. So physical, behavioral, dental, and vision. So our role is to make sure that all the health needs of students can be met. So we have a lot of partnerships within the community to make sure that all those resources are available to our students. Right. And I mean, that seems like big shoes for a school district to fill. Why, like, why is this part of the school district's like mission, their goal? Like, why do you think that they do this? Well, overall, we know that um, healthier students perform better academically. Absolutely. You know, when they're coming into class, if they're having, let's say, a toothache, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to attend, listen, um, and just learn. So, we want to really be that hub for parents to be able to come to and whatever need they may have, work with the school staff. And then we're the experts as far as the community resources, whether or not they're insured, uninsured, um, transportation or anything. We want to make sure we can really assist those families. That's amazing. And so how would a student, like how would they get to you? Like could a, a teacher say, hey, this is a great resource for that may be able to help if you're having trouble finding or like how would a student get to you guys? It's a little bit different with each um, program. So I kind of use a vision, um, for example, because we do, we have a really comprehensive um, vision program. So we have partnerships with Alcon, with Essler, um, Navarro College and, and several others. And they go out to all the elementary schools. They help screen the students. If they need an eye exam, they'll do the eye exam. And then we'll actually make the glasses for them. And then this oh, year, wow. this year we also opened a school-based optometry center too, so students can go there and see an optometrist and have glasses made for them. Wow! For and all that's, students, that's seventy. We're about seventy-two thousand students, so it's a, wow. It's a, it's a big population, and that would be in the community family resource center. Yes, the optometry center is actually um, located right next to one of our resource centers. We have four of those. Right. And it's it's so important, right? Because if you can't see the board or if you can't see your teacher, you can't see the words on the page. It's really hard to to learn how to read or to learn how to do any of those things. So I think it's amazing that you guys screen in that way. Yeah. So we, we want to catch things early as much as possible. Sometimes a school may identify something. Sometimes a parent may come to the campus, uh, maybe speak with a nurse or the school counselor. 
Um, if that need can't be addressed at the campus, that's when they reach out to the Family and Community Resources Department. That's amazing because because you're right. Like every school nurse is not going to know about like, hey, this is a this is a great program or this would really help you. But they can point you guys point them to you guys who and that's your whole job, right? Is to find and partner with community resources for you know yeah, for all so the students. Most of my position is is working with. Um, outside providers. So behavioral health, physical health at JPS, Cook Children's, UNT Health Science Center. We have a pediatric mobile unit that goes out to campuses, does well child visits, uh, oh, wow. vaccinations. And so we have a lot of great partnerships um, for our district. That's amazing. What what are What's a behavioral health component um, at the at the resource center? So that, that's primarily what the Family Resource Centers do is, is the behavioral health. So typically we have a, a system in place where parents can contact us directly or they can have the school counselor or a teacher or anybody send a referral over to us. And then we'll get that. We'll reach out to the parent. We have licensed clinicians that will sit down with the, the parents, find out what's going on with them, find out if there's any barriers that they may have, and then get them connected with the best resources. So we really want to overcome or have good health equity. We're looking at access and quality mm-hmm. of services for all students. Right. Because I, I'm a psychiatrist, so I mm-hmm. know how long the wait is to to get counseling or to get to see a psychiatrist or to get really any kind of help for mental health resources. So I'm glad that you guys are partnering with community organizations and things to be able to offer that to students. Like that's amazing. Yeah, and we we have a lot of great partners with a lot of different services. A lot are grant funded. They come out on site. Uh, they work really closely with us. If we have a need. We can take it out to the community and see can, who can assist that student um, with that. So it's we've been doing this for over 20 years now. Oh, wow. How many students do you guys help, I guess, over the course of a school year with like behavioral health needs, you know, like yeah, a ballpark? Be, I know it exactly. Uh, <laughs> so last year we've had we had 4,000 referrals come into the Family Resource Center. Oh, wow. So, and, and this, this year, we're going to probably exceed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, October was our highest month where we had 700 referrals come into um, our system. And so with that, um, that would be the clinicians, again, reaching out to the parents and wow. kind of seeing if there's a, a, a need there or not. Um, everything is um, revolves around the parent. You know, they're the expert when it comes to their child's needs, and we work from their vantage point. That's awesome. And I, I think that I'm glad that that's the case, right? Because some some parents are ready and some parents are not ready or they may recognize, hey, there's an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like my kiddo's having a really hard time learning or I'm getting notes home every day about behavior or um, I can't even get them in the door to school. Right. And so I think it's just amazing to have something, someone that they trust, right? They trust their school district to look out for them and to take good care of their kiddos. And so to be able to have that recommendation from you guys like hey these are these are good people that you should go talk to yeah that's really fantastic it usually starts out with the campus so they're you know they're maybe the campus is aware of an issue maybe they're not maybe it's just at home and the parents come to the campus and say hey this is happening then the campus could say well we have this resource available to you let let me refer you over and then we'll reach out to them that's amazing like that's really good what as far as the mental health needs um, have been, have you seen changes in the needs, like either in numbers or the type of need that's needed for behavioral health, like in the pandemic? 
Yeah. So we, we've seen, I think everything has changed during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, education systems changed, the health systems changed. Mm-hmm. Um, the needs that are coming into us have changed um, significantly um, through this time. A few things I would say is that we're seeing a lot more kids present with symptoms of anxiety and depression than when we had before. Anxiety is probably our number one mm-hmm. reason for referral into the family resource centers. We're seeing students that are coming in needing more intense services. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, we're having to look at um, whether or not uh, the, any intensive programs out there are maybe um, they've been into inpatient or, or different like partial hospitalization programs and things like that. So mm-hmm. the need coming in is a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because those are exactly the same things that we've seen at Cook. So it's... It, it's hard for us, right? Because we do get data, but then, but the first thing we have is those feelings, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, this feels more acute. Okay. Well, how do we, how can we tell? But it's interesting that you guys have the exact same, like the acuity's up, anxiety is really up. And the other thing is it's not for parents to kind of understand it's not anxiety about COVID. Like that is not something I've heard in a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's just overall anxiety. And I think some of that is kids feel the stress of their parents and in the community. I mean, lots and lots and lots of parents are stressed with, you know, how am I going to be able to afford groceries this month? Or am I still going to have a job? Or, you know, how am I going to make this happen? I think everybody is just more stressed and kind of in survival mode. And I think our kids are feeling that. And I think that that's what makes them more anxious overall. But it's not, they're not coming because I'm anxious about COVID. Right, you know, right. Yeah, like it's, I agree with that. It's um, just more anxious overall. You know, it was a different, different time for them. So... You think if you were four when COVID started, mm-hmm. um, maybe you went into pre-K, maybe you didn't. Um, if you were in middle school and you had that period of time where schools closed down for a few months and then you had the next year where there was an option of virtual learning. Um, so that norm for them, what was normal for them, yes. um, was very different. Right. Um, and so some of that development was greatly impacted uh, through that time period. Right. And they were living a life that was very predictable. I'm going to wake up Monday through Friday and I'm going to go to school from this time I'm going to come home. And then they went on spring break and just didn't go back. Right. And I think that, you know, the basic thing is that that sense of safety. And so, you know, kids get the security from um, routine and and that structure. And um, that was disrupted. Absolutely. And it just kind of like opened up thoughts of, okay, well, what else could happen? Well, like, could the, and we all adults have felt that, like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Right. You know, and so I think kiddos just feel it as well. Yeah. And I think we had this across all the health where everybody put off their health needs. You know, when you're, you're sick and you try to go to the doctor, then you're they're like, don't come in. You need to do this. So the, everything kind of changed uh, during that time as far as uh, the access to health. And, and so... For various reasons, there were a lot of health needs that were put off during that time. And I think that adds to why we're seeing kind of that higher need coming in this year. I could, so it's it's not just higher needs uh, for behavioral health. It's also higher needs for like the medical, the dental, the vision, because maybe it was put off a little bit and families are like, wait, we kind of got to get back to normal now. Like we need to, yeah, like I we think, need to get back on that routine health screening kind of things. Right. And I think we're catching up on that. We look at, you know, whether or not kids did their annual well child visit. You know, I think that number has declined, which when you get that well child visit, that's where the pediatrician finds out 
any yes. of the health issues or behavioral health needs and things right. like that. So a lot of that uh, was absent during that time period. And so a lot of that was missed and it just keeps yeah, kind of piling up. In the meantime, kids keep coming to school. Yes. Yes. Um, have you... I. In talking to my daughter's teacher, she noticed that you're talking about kind of like development that was missed in the pandemic. And uh, my daughter's in elementary school. And so she was like, we're still teaching kids how to school, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the just basics of school that they would have gotten in their kindergarten and first grade year. They maybe they weren't there for that. And so there's just a lot of like coaching. Have Have you seen that kind of like, I guess it's developmental, but it's like the education. Developmental education. I think mm-hmm. there has to be a word for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> or we we should make one up. <laughs> I, I think that we've heard that feedback. Um, you know, and that's why if you were coming in as a kindergarten student or first grade, um, you know, kind of what you were coming in and the level you were coming in as far as being prepared to learn, okay, uh, was a little bit lower. And then if you think about the middle school, which is typically a time, and that's the age group we receive the highest amount of referrals on, is that age group, because there's a lot of stuff going on during middle school. Oh, my goodness. So the feedback God from... God bless those middle school teachers yeah. so, and the counselors and the... I mean, my God, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Right. Yeah. So they're, when they're moving into high school um, during this time, then they're coming in and, and maybe at a more immature mm-hmm. level than previously. Yes. And just not, and, and and with that, right, teachers still have the same expectations, right? Whenever they come to high school, the expectation is you're a little bit more dependent, a little bit more mature. Um, hopefully there's a little bit of social maturity that goes with that, but not always. Right. And so the expectation is still there, but kiddos are just kind of struggling, I think, a little bit. Yeah. And, and we think about like how the online world just really advanced, whether that's doing televisits or mm-hmm. what we were doing in the school system and teachers having to adapt to kind of doing both for a period of time. So there was just a tremendous amount of uh, online time too, which, you know, for me, maybe growing up, if there was bullying, you went to school, you came home and it stopped. Right. And now with everybody being online, most of the time, it doesn't stop when you get home. Absolutely. So there's no break in that. Yes. And absolutely. Is, would you, do you think that, I guess what percentage of referrals for kind of the middle school age do you think are related to bullying? Um, it, so I w- it would still put anxiety in those, those things. Now it's, it's, no one's coming in typically with just one need. Right. And so there's, there's a lot of different factors that are taking place there. Right. Um, and so it's complex. Yes, I totally agree. It's usually like whenever kiddos come see me, it's maybe I, I guess I have anxiety, but, and then when you're asking them, okay, well, why is that? And then there's like 14 different factors, right? And one of them sometimes is bullying, but I am telling you, some kids are relentlessly bullied, mm-hmm. just cruel, ab- absolute cruel things that they say to kids. Um, I've had uh, kiddos in my practice who've lost parents and other mm-hmm. kids make fun of them for losing their parents. I'm like, how, how do you do that? You know? Um, and as a parent, I, I don't, I want my kiddos to be kind um, and to be able to have like productive, compassionate relationships that aren't, you know, so I, I don't know, bullying is a real, it's really hard for me because I just feel so bad for those kiddos and there's no protection sometimes for them because a lot of it happens in the unstructured time. Like if it happens in person at school, 
usually it's at lunch on the playground or if they're a little bit older, it's on social media in the messages. And I mean, it just never stopped mm-hmm. for some yeah, of these kiddos. I, I would look at like the positive social interactions and just how um, that makes kids feel, and you know, either good or bad about themselves, you know, in the sense that when they're having those, those positive interactions, they feel pretty good about themselves. So that kind of builds up some resiliency right. with that. And if those things are limited, um, then they're having to relearn those interactions. Right. And then I, th- I think also if, if you're being bullied, it's going to usually affect your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you're like, you feel poorly about yourself. So you're not going to put yourself out there to make new friends, to, to do all of those things because your confidence is shot because you're like, is this person going to bully me? Or maybe what the bully said was true. And so I think it just really, it it's kind of a circle, right? Like it, it limits your ability to make new friends, to put yourself out there, to kind of dig yourself out. And I think sometimes for uh, middle school kiddos, it really, um, it kind of can be a thing that really starts a spiral down to depression and things like that for a lot of kids. Yeah. For and, sure. And we have had um, a lot of families that have experienced loss um, over the last couple of years. So we've seen an increase with that. I believe too. that. So, um, you know, that's been a, a big impact on us. Absolutely. So many families have lost significant. Honestly, whenever I learned about the pandemic or when we started talking about COVID, my biggest concern was for my patients who are being cared for, maybe their grandmother or by their maternal great aunt or like things like that. As those people were at the highest risk of passing. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like we have to take care of those people right. so they can keep taking care of my patients. And, you know, obviously I care and love the parents too, but um, that was my big concern. I think a lot of, there's been a lot of loss and a lot of grief over yeah, the last two years. Definitely. I think, that you know, with the kids coming to school and if, they were living in a multi-generational home. Then there was that fear of, okay, I'm going to go to school. I right. come home. Am I going to expose, you know, one of those family members? A lot. I heard that a whole lot. Yeah. Kids are like, I really want to go back to school, but grandmother has ovarian cancer or whatever, right. and I cannot give that to my grandmother. Like, gosh. But then it's also hard because developmentally kids in middle school and high school need that social interaction. They need... um those things, it's just kind of part of their development and how things work for them. And so to miss out on that, I think was really, really hard for them. But I'm glad you guys are there to support them Thank so you. they can be successful in school. It's so important. Um, how did the Family Resource Center, Family and Community Resource Center come about? Like, how did you guys come to be? So um, this originally started um, from when Mayor Barr asked um, mental health agencies to get together to make sure that um, every person in Tarrant County had access to mental health services. And, wow. and the reason why he did that was the, um, the event at Wedgwood uh, Church okay, where um, there was a mass shooting there and that was a mentally ill person. So he asked some of the main agencies to get together to make sure that um, nobody fell through the cracks. Fort Worth ISD was a part of that original group. And from that group, they developed mental health connections. So when they were looking at it, how do we make sure that everybody um, gets that care and wanting to start out early, then they wanted to um, establish something within the schools because that's a lot of times where that need is going to be recognized. And so the very basic thing they did at the beginning was set up a referral system from the school to outside providers. 
And they've been doing that for over 20 years now. Eventually, we have now fam- uh, four family resource centers in the department. It's going to expand it where we do all school-based health, and that's the dental vision, um, behavioral health, and physical health. So we have all those partnerships in place to be able to address the health needs because we just realize what the impact of health is on a student's ability to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And that's amazing that it's been going for so long, like as long as it has and things like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of other districts are moving now in that direction um, where they hadn't previously. And just because you're right, I mean, you have to address the whole student in order for them to be successful at school. Yeah. It's the whole child that shows up uh, for school every day. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. What is a partnership between Fort Worth ISD and uh, TCU? So we started this partnership with TCU um, last year was the first semester we had um, in the spring. So they started a um, clinical counseling program for their students. And so... We have a TCU director, clinical director, that comes to one of the family resource centers and provides the supervision to TCU master level students. Wow. Yeah. So we we have, um, I think, about 15 to 17 students this semester out with us, and they're providing counseling uh, to our students at no cost to the families. That's fantastic. And then also the the TCU students are getting excellent training in like school-based you know, psychology. And so are they um, psychology master's level students or like what trait or are they uh, social clinical work counseling. or clinical counseling? Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, how, how do you, how have you seen that partnership benefit the families and the students? I look back at last year where we had um, a huge change in the mental health workforce, right? So there were a lot of um, people during COVID uh, practitioners that moved more to uh, doing just virtual, mm-hmm. moved into private practice. So we had this big um, shift with the workforce. And so a lot of last year, we were looking at wait lists of three months, six months to be able to get students seen. And with this partnership with TCU, it just allowed us um, to get that base level of our students seen by a counselor. So it was a, a tremendous help last year. It's a tremendous help again this year. So it works really well for us and our students. It works well for their education for TCU. I think it's a great thing for Tarrant County's workforce to be oh, developing. Yes. I know. I was like, can I email you job applications? <laughs> <laughs> I happen to know a department that needs a lot of help. You yeah. know, that's fantastic. Yeah. How how have you seen treating a student's mental health impact their education? Um, we have had uh, these services in places for a very long time. So one of the great things that I've seen is um, students that were with us many years ago who went through our program come back and be Fort Worth ISD employees and and share back how much they appreciated it at that time um, that they, they were able to receive those services. That's amazing. I think that's so cool. And I think what I have seen in my practice is students do better when they're connected with another human. Mm -hmm. And so if they can be connected with another person at school, I think that's going to make them want to go to school and participate in school and all those sorts of things. I had a kiddo this morning, actually, who had behavior problems last school year, and I haven't seen him this school year and um, came in. Everything's great. Grades are excellent. Report cards are fantastic. Behavior reports are great. And I was like, what? 
I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like you're doing such great work. Mm -hmm. What helped? And he said, well, um, my teacher does a really good job of, she calls me out from the front and tells me whenever I answer a question correctly. And I was like, oh, it's a praise. It's a praise. It's the connection. And so I think having that at school is so key to getting kids there because sometimes they don't even want to go. Like they just get so anxious or so depressed that they don't even want to go to school anymore. And I can agree with that. I think that teachers are huge in helping Mm -hmm. students in mental health. And I can share from my personal experience with my son when he was um, entering kindergarten, we were just happy that he made it uh, through a complete day of school. You know, we're really just worried that is, is he going to make it through that day? And the first two years, I could say academically, he was way behind, but we didn't really care. Right. Because we were just happy that he was making it through school. Now, eventually when he got uh, a little older, he started to make up those Mm -hmm. areas, but there was a period of time where um, it was a struggle for him to be at school. It's so hard for some kids. And the teachers were huge in, in helping him and understanding that, okay, it, academically, it may not be the strongest right now, but that's not what we're worried about. I, I don't want to downplay like medications and therapy, but this is a personal, um, not board certified opinion of mine. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think the relationship you have with your teacher, the first, like through about third grade is a bigger determinant of how you do in school than even like medications. A lot of times just have it when a kid connects with their student, with their, with their teacher, they want to please them. They want to learn and do so much better. It's not true of everybody. No, I, I agree with that. And but I, that I, connection goes so far. Yeah. I've lived in a few different countries and got to experience their educational systems. And I've seen uh, with my oldest daughter where um, some that didn't do great with that and some, uh, yeah, we fortunate to live in Denmark where they kind of have that child focused school system. And I remember meeting with a principal and talking with them and he was just so relaxed about it, but everything was just developing that confidence, uh, developing that desire to learning and that uh, internal drive to do that. And it was a, a wonderful experience. Right. And it's very different. I think than the experience a lot of our students have, unfortunately. But I, I wish if I could do anything for schools, it would just give teachers the time and the space to be able to connect with their students because I know they want to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll help them stay there and the students will be better for it. But it's just, it's tough. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, so if a family wants to learn more about the counseling services that might be available for their kiddo, where should they go? What should they do? Well, usually the first stop is with with the campus. So uh, nurses, uh, school counselors, we have uh, interventionists that are at um, campuses so they can talk with them. Um, They can also go directly to one of the family resource centers. Um, We have a website um, that's on the district webpage that they can go there. They can call us if they're wanting to talk about this. Maybe they're considering it and they just want to talk with someone about whether or not this would be good that's that would be totally fine for us to have so they can email us whatever's best for them just reach out to us that's amazing so thank you so much for coming on and educating our guests about all the resources that they have available for them like we're so lucky that you were so passionate about addressing the whole child and making sure that they're ready to go to school yeah like when they get there that is amazing so we have a little segment about what we're grateful for. And also, this is the week before Thanksgiving or the week of Thanksgiving, I guess. So would you like to tell us what you're grateful for? Uh, I have a lot that I'm really grateful for. Of course, my family. Um, 
I just would like to um, express my gratefulness for um, the teachers and the campus staff that are doing that work. Absolutely. Um, you know, they, they're not machines that can show up at work. And I know they've had to work through these things just as much as uh, our students. And um, what they've done over the last few years, it's just amazing work. Uh, I totally agree. Can you imagine um, now, like you have a job that you've trained for and you've done successfully for years. And now they're like, but we want you to do it online to seven-year-olds. No. Like, I, I don't know how they did it. Like, they're absolute magicians and saints, yeah. teachers, all of them. Yeah, like, I'm so grateful for them. I, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually stole my um, thing I was grateful for because <laughs> I was going to say teachers as well. Like, I don't know how they did it. I am grateful for Fort Worth ISD for realizing that a whole student, like you said, shows up to school on the first day of school and every day after that. And so um, being able to address those mental health needs and their medical and dental and visual health is so important so that they can be the best, most successful kiddos that they can absolutely be. So I am grateful for Fort Worth ISD. Thank you. That's amazing. So thank you guys for listening so much to this episode of Raising Joy. Otis, are you ready to help me with the outro? I think so. Okay. Until next time, just breathe. Open up. You matter. 